0: And welcome to a special episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast. Today we're going to tackle a new topic, well, new to the podcast anyways, that can be half of the equation when officers consider making a transition, and that half is significant others. And we've always believed that significant others make a significant difference in the transition decision and process. And at Cameron Brooks, we like to encourage involvement from significant others from the very beginning. It's a large life decision and it requires a lot of thought, reflection, and research. As we discuss the role of spouses and significant others in the transition decision today, we thought, what better way to share tips and tricks than by hearing from the spouses of some of our own alumni. So I want to introduce you guys to my colleagues and new Cameron Brooks teammates, Julie and Val say hi to our audience guys. Hey, Hey. (laughs) well, we're happy to have you on and just for our listeners, I'd love for you both to give a little bit of a self introduction. Uh, so Val, why don't you go first?
1: Sure. Um, so I am a former naval surface warfare officer, and currently a transition specialist with Cameron Brooks. And my connection to Cameron Brooks is being a spouse of a alum. And um, you know we're pretty happy. We have three boys and incredibly busy. So happy to be here and today some with dogs. you, Hope, <laughs> and some dogs. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Julie.
2: Yeah. Um, thanks for having me, Hope. Um, I am also a Cameron Brooks uh, spouse of an alumni, um, and let's see, former supply chain management major. Um, that's kind of been my background until I became a transitional, transition specialist here with Cameron Brooks. Um, we've got an eight-month-old, no, nine-month-old daughter now, um, and two cats and a dog, so also keeping it pretty busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do the cats and the dogs get along really well?
2: They actually do. Um, we have one cat, Levi, that uh, runs the roost. He is—he did most of the training for our dog, Bradley. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs>
0: that's great. Um, so yes, Julie and Val joined the Cameron Brooks team earlier this year and have just been a great asset to our community, um, especially when it comes to sharing this fast perspective. Uh, so today we wanted to use this time on the podcast to talk about specifically, you know, what does life look like outside of the military? If my spouse decides to transition or my significant other decides to transition and we can get even more specific with it, you know, what does life look like outside of the military? If my significant other decides to transition with a recruiting firm like Cameron Brooks. So just diving right into it, I kind of imagine each large life decision starts with the mustard seed of an idea and then that seed morphs into action. So an officer might start tossing around the idea of making a transition in their head, maybe do a little bit of Googling and then kind of ask their significant others for feedback and that starts a dialogue. But I do know that each experience is different um, and I'd really love for Julie and Val to like share their specific, uh, experiences. Julie, would you mind kind of giving us a little bit of background on what it was like for you when you guys decided like, Hey, let's have this conversation about potentially making a transition or just jumping right into it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, hope mine was more of the latter. Actually. Um, my husband, Ben was in the military. Um, when I guess, little tiny backstory. When we met, we were in college. um, So he commissioned right after school. And then um, we dated and were long distance for four years. So when we got married, he had told me that he was going to do this 20 year um, career military. And I was fully on board for that, ready to be a military spouse um, for life and have him retire that way. And I guess three months into getting married, he came to me and said, um, Hey babe, I'm, I'm going to get out of the military. Um, so you can only imagine the shock that was on my face the day that we had that conversation. Um, and I think, sorry, that's my dog shaking his collar. Um, you can only imagine the conversation that, that came from that, um, and it, it really was just kind of in my mind, okay, what's next, where do we go from here? Um, thinking about the military, that was you know all that I was prepared for at that point. Um, so getting ready to shift my mindset of where do we go from here was was kind of strange. Um, he threw around the idea of moving back to Texas, um, working for a family business, maybe doing his own startup or something like that. Um, I was all ready to move back to Texas because we were stationed at Fort Campbell and away from family. Um so, yeah, it was it was a bigger conversation, but I was really excited about it, um, mostly because he had had a nine month deployment um, before then. And I was just really ready to have him home and um, mm-hmm. didn't want to have to go through another deployment um, as much as I knew that was that is part of the military life. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of my long, I guess, short version of
0: how how it all kind of began with that mustard seed of an idea or a, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Hopefully you're on board. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I know, I know Val had perhaps a different experience. So please share, share with our audience.
1: Yeah. uh, My experience was, was a lot different from Julie's only because I had both perspectives. One as being a junior military officer who was also transitioning. And then as a military spouse of a junior military officer who was planning on transitioning. Um, So there was a lot going on. Um, We, we didn't really live together. I mean, we were separate because we were in different branches and the military essentially made it incredibly difficult for us to live together. So we had decided at one point that maybe, you know, We wanted to start a family and I think prerequisite would be living in the same state. So we started uh, looking at our options and um, we had three deployments between, you know, within four years. And so we were kind of tired of that lifestyle. Um, And so I think once we started thinking about it, he actually got a flyer. Cameron Brooks used to send out these flyers and it appeared on his desk once he got back from deployment. And he said, Hmm, let me take a look at this. Um, When we got out, there wasn't a lot of resources. And so it wasn't as prevalent as what it is today. But as far as having the conversation, I mean, you know, our whole lives were the military, that's all we knew. And so it was a big, scary risk to go out and do something else, especially business. And he was going from infantry to to business, which was a huge jump. And we realized that if we wanted to make this transition successfully, we needed some help. We needed people that were able to guide us and knew how to market what we were doing. And we didn't want to take a step down. We didn't want to um, go back to entry level. We felt like we were more than what, you know, recent college grads were doing, um, mm-hmm. even though we didn't have industry experience. But ultimately, we, we decided that using our resources, um, we wanted to work smarter, not harder. And I've learned the hard way of, you know, <laughs> doing it yourself really just doesn't pan out. So that's kind of our perspective on, on doing that. Um, you know, I got to see it the whole way, um, you know, from first steps of hey, let's get out and make this our, our plan. And then watch him go through the, the developmental program with Cameron Brooks was really cool. Uh, he's learned so much about himself. And then the conference, oh my goodness, the conference is a whole nother beast. Because you were there, right? I was, I was okay. there and man, it was intense. <laughs> I can't, I don't know how you guys did it, but it was, it was really cool to see that. And then ultimately it led to a really great opportunity. And you know, I think we're so grateful for that opportunity. It's led us to have the lifestyle we have now and, um, you know, we couldn't be happier.
0: That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you both sharing your experiences because those are really different. Um, you know, starting from, you know, being in separate States and wanting to start a family to being newly married and all of a sudden a major life pivot <laughs> and like, where do you, where do you go and kind of how do you align yourselves so that you're on the same page and ultimately utilize the resources that are available to you. So when we were brainstorming for this episode, we kind of came up with three questions that you can start with as you are thinking through this decision. And so they are number one, what is your why for getting out? You know, as a family unit, um, you know, personal, professional goals. Two, what are your options? You know, what do you want to do? What's even available? Three, what resources are available to you? And, you know, we're big fans of starting your research early so that you can make the best decision for you and your family. And I do think that um, Val and Julie can share some really interesting insight behind these questions just because they've lived through it and they've had to discuss it and go about it. So I'm going to pass to Val to kind of discuss more about like what questions you should be thinking through in depth and certain topics to maybe bring up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first thing that we started looking at when we we decided, okay, military is no longer the life that we wanted to have, the career that we wanted to have. First thing is, well, what do we want our lives to look like? Um, You know, where do we see ourselves in five 10 years? What, you know, even, even have like a mood board. I mean, we're visual people just looking Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, you know, in five years, I want to have a lifestyle that I get to be home every day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're not going on deployments. We get to be there and watch our children grow. We get to go on vacation, have date nights. Um, it's such an unpredictable schedule in the military. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't plan things ahead of time. Um, so what do we want? Um, how are we going to get there? Um, you know, we we also knew that finances was a big thing. So we, we asked, you know, what we wanted our lifestyle to be. We were used to the military where everything was paid for. I mean, we had our our normal salary we had our BAH we had our health care was covered by Tricare we had um you know family separation pay was was pretty nice mm-hmm. um, combat pay when we were deployed so we got the benefits of those and we were scared that you know what's going to happen if we don't have those things i mean you know life is really expensive and being you know being in the military most of our adult lives uh, it was going to be a huge jump and we realized that we had a certain lifestyle and we weren't ready to sacrifice that. And I don't think we should. Uh, we, we had a lot of leadership experience that we didn't need to start over. We needed to just find a way to leverage those skills. So thinking about what we wanted our lifestyle to look like, and then professionally, you know, who do we want to become? Um, you know, it's a big jump. I mentioned my husband was infantry and I was a SWO. So I was on ships a lot. Um, you know, you don't find, uh, ship drivers and infantry guys in business world. It just doesn't happen. Um, so, you know, how do you make that jump? How do you do that successfully? We had no idea. And and we really, we wanted to find the resources to make sure that we could do that successfully because in order to accomplish our goals in five to 10 years of having a house, building a family, um, living a certain lifestyle, we needed to make sure that the steps we were taking were going to get us there. So, um, and then we started thinking, lastly, about, you know, locations. We were both living separately in different locations, but we were also living away from family. Our families are both in the Northeast. And we realized that for the five years that we were away from home during our military time, that, you know, we were okay being, being away from them. We got to travel. We were close mm-hmm. to an airport. So we got to see our family just as often as we wanted to on holidays. Um, but virtually, I mean, it's, it's so easy to hop on FaceTime or, you know, Zoom or whatever, just to check in with your family. Um, We got to see them as often as we wanted, but we realized that the opportunity is going to be the most important thing for us at that moment. We didn't have kids. We didn't have major life expenses. expenses. So we wanted to set ourselves on the right foundation. That was the most important thing for us is getting it right out of the gate. And then when we realized if you go to a, a most Fortune 500 companies that are number one and number two in their industry, most of them have nationwide reach. So eventually we could move anywhere we wanted to. And Mm -hmm. we did. And we were able to um, make major life decisions and major life moves within the same company, because my husband built his brand and he was able to then utilize and, and leverage that brand to get us where we needed to be closer to family. So we ultimately got what we wanted initially. It took some time, but we were okay with that. When you're single and or not single, when you're just dual, without income, kids. No kids. <laughs> dual income, no kids, <laughs> you know, do you really need to knee next to mom and dad all the time? I don't know. We did it in our case. Yeah. So thinking about location was really important for us. Um, we knew that we didn't want to be in Jacksonville, North Carolina any longer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, not your number one choice. <laughs> not my number one. Um so then after we thought about those questions, you know, what we wanted our life to look like, um, the next is how? You know, how are we going to do this? Right? We had no business experience. Mm-hmm. We've never done anything other than college, military, and then now we're at the fork in the road. Mm-hmm. How do we get there? How do we do it successfully? What how are your others- options? Yeah, what are your options? And so Now, I think we have such a great amount of resources for veterans Mm -hmm. and and specifically junior military officers. Um, You know, you have different and they're all for free, by the way, if anyone's asking them to pay for it. I mean, I think veterans really need to run away and they should always (laughs) be free. Um, (laughs) But we found for us, you know, using a recruiting firm, we wanted someone that, knew the language that we spoke, they knew our experience, and they knew how to translate that into what corporate America needs to hear um, using we could have used family and friends networks, but when we we went down that route, they just didn 't get it they didn 't understand how being a platoon leader computes into you know being a medical sales guy mm-hmm. it just they can 't make that connection, so we needed someone else to help and using a resource like Cameron Brooks. They have those ins, they have the the experience to be able to market us successfully and get us into the jobs that we wanted to. So using a veteran resource, using a recruiting firm, using a professional network or any, even educational networks are all good resources now for veterans to to look at.
0: Mm-hmm. If you decide, if if you're like, all right, well. My, my significant another and I have decided, all right, we're headed down this path. We want to make the jump. We want to push the button. Like, let's go. How do we, what does that look like? What does the path look like? We can tell you what it looks like from like a recruiting firm perspective. Um, but I like to section it off into different phases. So you have phase one, which is like really discovery, you know, when you're still looking up FAQs and how's this even going to happen? You're listening to this podcast, you know, whatever it may be. And then eventually after looking through some resources, you're like, all right, I'm curious enough to have a conversation with a team member, um, which is kind of where Julie Val and I step in, you know, um, you have questions, uh, we want to be a resource and answer those questions. Uh, and then eventually as you walk forward down this path, we have a, we have a resource center. We have a webcast that's kind of, uh, it's packed full of information just about how to make a transition and, um, you know, using a recruiting firm and what business looks like on the other side of things and how your military background could translate. Um, But walking along, we get to, you know, what we call a personal marketability assessment. So that's more of like a one-on-one call with one of our transition coaches and where your, your military officer, your, your significant other is going to get more concrete feedback on, you know, exactly where they could potentially fit if they were to choose business as an option, if that's something that really resonates with them. Um, So I would categorize all those things from introductory conversation, general discovery, um, their webcast, and the PMA as being underneath that kind of discovery umbrella. And then preparation is next, right? Uh, So
1: (laughs) you want to- Yeah, preparation. I think, Hope, let me uh, cut in for you. I think (laughs) preparation is probably the one thing that JMOs, they're high achievers. And I think that they- forget that preparing for this next step is incredibly important. Um, you know, I, I make this example all the time and talking to, to future candidates. You know, if you're if you're studying for an exam going through college, you have a, a finite amount of time to be able to get through this course. And mm-hmm. so you know where the light of the end of the tunnel is. You could be the guy that, or growl, that, you know, paces along and actually studies every day. And, you know, by the time that final exam comes around, you're going to knock it out of the park. Or you could be the person that you know procrastinates and then crams it all like in the last two days. I mean, I did that with some physics class, but I wouldn't <laughs> oh recommend God. it. <laughs> physics, uh-huh. but right. Um, but at the end of the day, you can you can really change the trajectory of your career path by successfully preparing for your next transition. It's incredibly important, and I think we don't give it enough spotlight. To recognize Mm -hmm. that the preparation needs to occur while you're still in, while you can make changes and while you have the time. Because Mm -hmm. once you get out, once life becomes real, it's difficult and it's really hard to backpedal once you've already started, you know, laying the, the concrete foundation because you have already transitioned.
0: We are big fans of research and starting your prep early and I do feel like when you do start early it takes a lot of the stress and anxiety out of the equation hopefully because you have a plan it's mapped out for you like with our developmental and preparation program everybody's timeline is different but we do map it out for each of our like candidates in our program and so you know once candidates get closer to a career conference, our communication with them definitely speeds up. They're in interview prep workshops, one-on-one mock interviews, resume consultations. And that's definitely an area if significant others want to be involved. I've spoken with a lot of officers who are like, I'm practicing my interview answers with my spouse and they're an HR professional actually out in business or their best friend is an HR professional and doing it that way as well, just for extra practice. So that's another touch point for like spouse spouses and significant others to be involved, but that's all part of the preparation. And then third is execution. So the conference piece of it, which were you, did you both go to a conference or? We did. Yeah. Okay. So we, we, love for spouses to come to conferences because you're kind of seeing everything firsthand and you're also digesting the same information but i what i think is really interesting is that um from a pair one person will pick up certain items that come out of company briefings right because we brief everybody on the companies that they interview for um so you're in a 30 minute briefing two people go in two people come out different set of notes, you know? And so I think it is helpful (laughs) for, you know, to have a a buddy there, a significant other there to, to pick up on that information, but also live real time, how you are experiencing these interviews and be a part of that. You know, I had a spouse tell me one time she was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's draining. This the conference is draining. It's a lot. um, But it's all great. When I saw my husband come out of that interview room, he was absolutely glowing. You should have seen his face. He was so excited. He was like, that's the company. I want them. They want me. I just found my match. You know, and she was like, yes, I'm so excited, you know, and she got to be part of that moment of the, the excitement. And then she was like, also, you have another interview in 15 minutes. So like, let's get you there, you know? <laughs> Hope that's, uh,
2: that's kind of how my experience was when, when Ben went through his conference, um, it was a a whirlwind of five days. I mean, just getting there, getting ready, getting everything set up. Um, and yeah, I think out of the, I don't remember his exact number of interviews. I think it was between 12 and 14, but I could almost tell you like the three companies after he had interviewed, I could tell you he was going to go back to those companies and say, yes, I want to follow up. Um, and you're right. Just to be there. It's exactly what she said to be there and to be able to see like the glow on their face of, yes, I nailed that. And like, this was awesome. And I want to work here. Um, it was just a really cool thing to be a part of.
0: That's awesome. And so I know, I mean, you, you talked about being there. Are there like specific tips and tricks to being present as a significant other at a conference or even like leading up to the conference that I miss? That you think would be helpful?
2: Yeah, um, so I mean, as far as like prior to the conference and really once your spouse or significant other gets accepted into the program, um, there's a lot of things that you can do to help them prep. Um, it's working through interview questions. So in Cameron Brooks is um, giving them questions to think through and different answers that they wanna come up with. Um, just reviewing those together and talking through them to make sure that they know all of the key points and they're not stumbling over their words or anything like that. Um, I think one of the other things is encouraging a study group that was awesome for my husband, Ben, um, it, that it took a lot of the pressure off of me to only be the other person, like going through it with him. But he also had, you know, like five or six buddies that, um, at the time they would meet together on base, um, or it might've been a coffee shop. I don't know, but they'd get together and go through all of their questions, um, and just be able to provide that feedback. And then, you know, it's listening to podcasts like this, um, and then really for being involved with conference. Um, I think that's the part that I had the most fun with, and maybe it could be the type a in me a little bit. Um, but I really liked all the note taking, <laughs> yeah, it was all the note taking the highlighting, um, you know, leaving the conference, Ben was like, I probably couldn't have done this without you. Um, but like tips and tricks, it was writing everything down on the note card. And I think a lot of this was stuff that Cameron Brooks provided to us then. But, you know, writing on a note card, who was the company he was interviewing with? Um, what was the interviewer's name? What were the things that he liked about the job? And then, you know, like two or three bullet points of how he could relate what he did in the military back to that Um And to your point, when they have, you know, 15 minutes between one interview and the next, he would walk out of, you know, one of the conference rooms when we were in in in-person interviews, um, I'd give him a water bottle, a granola bar, whatever. Um, it really was a quick, yeah, it was like a quick debrief of what happened in that interview. And then it was, boom, here's your note card start reading. I'm going to read you like the bullet points while you're reading, um, you know, the information about the company, and then I'm going to drop you off at the door of the next, you know, conference room and say, good luck, wish you well, and I'll be here when you get done. Um, I think the, the other thing too, was the brain dump afterwards. It was good to be able to, um, just like you said earlier, see what their reaction was. Um, I talked to a spouse recently and she did the virtual conference. Mm -hmm. Um, but from her perspective, it was, you know, he could, come out of, I guess his, whatever room he was interviewing in, walk to their kitchen tell her everything that just happened. And she could just type it up in notes and then they could go back through later and review it that like that. Um, so it was really like, it's just good to have a spouse there because there's, you know, with 13, 14 interviews, all of that's probably going to get jumbled at some point. So it's really great to have the other person to say, Hey, here were the things that you told me. This is what, you know, maybe what your face looks like coming out of this interview. Um, top emotions that you felt
0: coming out of it or something yeah. like that. Um, That's great feedback. Um, and a lot of questions that I do get on the front end of me talking with officers and and as we we're kind of reviewing the entire process is the logistics of everything. What is, what do timelines look like? What should you prepare for? Um, so Val, do you want to kind of help us walk through what that looks like in terms of like resignations and conferences and things like that?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, I think really when you want to start looking at the stuff is at least a year out from when the end of the initial contract is done or, or second contract, whenever their time is up, you really want to start looking at at least a year out. Why? Because you need a lot of time. You need to one, figure out who you want to be. What do you want to do as a family? It takes a while. I mean, unless you've been having this as a dream board for, you know, since day one, I mean, <laughs> it takes, there's some things you really need to agree upon you need to make sure that you have the same vision together because you have to also consider yourself you know what do you want to do do you want to continue on in your career um, or do you want to be home with with families I mean you're also you know your life is important too and you want to be able to have the same goals, to the same pathway as your spouse Mm -hmm. and so thinking about those things at least a year ahead and then you know putting that nail in the coffin saying, okay, I'm going to resign. If that's, you know, resign my commission, if that's what you want to do. Um, different branches have uh, a similar timelines. So I know for me in the Navy, um, we could do it anywhere from nine to 12 months. We had to submit our resignation. Um, so, you know, it, it, there is some paperwork involved that the officer needs to make sure that they get done in the timeframe. Um, and then, you know, preparing ahead of time, looking to see what your options are. I know for us, you know, we we accept officers, you know, as soon as, you know, they've made the mind to that they're going to transition. I can't speak for other recruiting firms, but I know that that's kind of what we do and we help during that process. And so getting connected with a good recruiting firm and then doing your preparation. Like you mentioned, hope there's a roadmap and there's a different timeline for everybody because we don't meet everyone at the same time on their journey. So getting in touch and getting, you know, getting the ball rolling and then learning what your roadmap is, getting prepared, doing the reading list, doing all the exercises that's involved in the developmental program that we have is something you want to get ahead of. And so, um, and then, you know, it leads up to the the main event, the big chicken dinner right there. That is the conference. <laughs> um, you know, the conference is, uh, you know, it's usually occurring just before terminal leave, anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60 days um, before you're getting out. Typically, that's when you'd want to do it. But we've had some some few cases where they're like, oh, I'm getting out next week. But <laughs> we work with it, right? Um, <laughs> But planning ahead is probably the better way to go. So thinking about, okay, do our conference while we're on terminal leave, we can potentially start a new career during terminal leave. Um, you know, it's something also to think about. You're probably gonna be moving to a new location. Um, you know, most of these opportunities aren't gonna be located where your base is. So, you know, getting in touch with the movers and, and doing the logistically, all the, the things necessary to move out of whatever housing you're located in at your base. So a lot of preparation that especially a spouse can take a hold of, um, or a significant other, they can go ahead and start making those arrangements. Um, and then conference, you know, conference is about five days long. And so preparing for that, you know, ahead of time, you know, thinking about finances, you know, make sure that the officer has a really great suit. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something as simple as that, but you really do need to dress to impress. Um, That's so true. And wearing your military uniform is not going to work. <laughs> so, um, you know, thinking about those things, um, Conference is five days long. It's it's fast paced, like Juliet mentioned. It is insane. <laughs> it is fun though, um, but then you know the follow up process. I mean, anywhere from sixteen days after conference. I mean, you are doing your follow up interviews, um, having multiple conversations, whether that includes virtually or traveling if companies are comfortable doing that. Um, but you do your follow up interviews, and then you'll be getting your offers typically around like the, uh, six day, the 16 day mark. I mean, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I don't know any other, um, HR firms and recruiting, uh, places that do that, that have that quick turnaround. And, you know, you get the power of comparison. You get to sit down at that, you know, the time where all the, all the offers come in at the same time, essentially. And then you get Mm -hmm. to literally lay them out side by side and say, Hey, together as a team, you decide what is the best path forward to help us meet our life goals. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really cool. It's such a a powerful thing to do is -hmm. to be able to really have control over your own destiny. Um, And it's quite a unique thing that Cameron Brooks does. And so then, you know, you, you accept an offer (laughs) and it's, you know, cheers all around. So it's really cool. You get to (laughs) now embark on your new life and that's super exciting. Um, and then, you you know, you're moving in, you're starting a new career, and then, you know, you, uh, you get to then settle in as a new life. Right, Julie? I'm sure you, <laughs> as your new life started, uh, similar to mine, uh, you know, it's all good. Yeah, so um, I guess
2: settling in and what all of that looks like. Um, for Ben and I, when we left Fort Campbell, um, the role that he decided to take was up in Massachusetts. So, um, not only did we disappoint the family a little bit moving even further away from <laughs> Texas, but we had a really good attitude on it. Um, you know, we, we had the big conversation of we were going to go wherever the Army was going to send us and why not go somewhere that neither one of us had experienced. So we moved up to Boston, Massachusetts. Um, thankfully for me at the time, I was working a job that um, allowed me to be remote for a little bit. Um, I know that's a lot more common these days with COVID, you know, in the last year and all that kind of stuff. But at the time for me in this specific company, um, it wasn't, so moved up there and we had done a visit, um, up to Boston, like, I want to say a month or two before we moved, um, Just did a four-day weekend up there and really got to see the area, figure out where we wanted to be, where we wanted to live. Um, We did find a place to rent, which is something I really recommend um, before you decide where you're going to settle in. Um, You know, you never know who your neighbors are going to be, if they're going to be friendly, (laughs) anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. For this Texas girl moving up to Boston, it was the year of record snowfall um uh, yeah so the first business trip that Ben went on um I think was like I don't know January 14th or something and we got four feet of snow overnight um like full blizzard and thankfully um our landlords next door were right next door and had said we'll come over and take care of you they knew Ben was going to be out of town um and honestly, I'll, I'll say that that relationship blossomed into something that I never expected. Um, our landlords kind of turned into surrogate parents while we were in Massachusetts, and we're actually flying up um, this next week to go to the wedding of um, one of their daughters, who we became really good friends with, and her fiancé. Um, so, awesome. yeah, it's it can be... Um, it's really scary, but it's really exciting at the same time. Um, you know, I ended up changing, not changing career fields, um, but changing companies while we were up there. Um, I wanted to have a network of people that I was in touch with and being remote at the time and starting in a whole new location was really hard. So, That's you know, my, yeah. Um, I mean, my recommendation is get out there meet people, um, find a local coffee shop, start a conversation with somebody, go talk to your neighbors. Um, I know, I was raised in Texas, so this probably doesn't apply for everybody, but take down either a pie and go to the next door neighbor and just say, hey, I'm new in town. Um, take a bottle of wine over and say, hey, would love to share a glass with you um, and just get to know you.
1: So, um, yeah. That Julie, was- you could always do it the old-fashioned way like I did. I went on, uh, I Googled how to find friends because we were in Houston, <laughs> away from all family. And so, I had found up like a meetup group, and so I actually it was really cool. I found a meetup group for married women, and I found like one of my best friends in that group via Google. So via Google, yes, oh. Oh. that's so great. <laughs> I mean, you have to do what you got to do. I mean, technology I is so great, um especially when you're in a new place and you don't know anyone. You're away oh, from family and friends, mm-hmm. and so you know, I had to be resourceful, but yes, I agree. I, I don't know about bringing some wine, maybe like some shady characters, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's could true. I hadn't about that
0: part. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Well, I, and being resourceful it, it, at the very end, you know, and settling in is true of me as well, because I remember trying to strike up conversations with strangers because when I'm, I moved for George's uh, career, he works in athletics here in Auburn. And I was like, I know nobody. I'm going to really be aggressive about making friends. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> That was my strategy. Um, and now we've built a community. We're, you know, away from family and most of our friends and it's just been a lovely adventure. So oh, that's my two cents, but, um, okay. So wrapping everything up, um, you know, just in terms of like next steps and what to do and general recap one, ask yourself those questions, Get aligned um, on your goals and, and what you want to do to kind of kick the start the process. Um, you know, determining those family goals, the so short term and long term. Um, help your spouse prepare. You know, um, there are resources out there to help you. And, you know, you can use one of the three of us or all three of us as a resource as well. Um, be aware of timelines, just kind of recapping what Val was talking about. And, you know, we do want to kind of continue this significant other series and and talk more about different topics of conversation that are relevant um, to spouses and significant others in the program, because it's a major life change for both as a team. Um, it's it can be an emotional thing that you really have to sit with for a while and get used to. And, um, that's another benefit of starting early. Um, I know for me personally, I have to sit with a decision for a while before I feel really comfortable and like moving forward with it. So, uh, we want to be that resource for you if you do have questions, but thank you girls. Like thank you gals so much for joining us today. I think you have shared some fantastic insights. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll- hope. It it's really fun to be here. Awesome. (laughs) And well, we hope you've found some valuable tips and tricks for starting the approach to the transition decision. Um, and like I said, if you'd like to stay connected, please follow us on social media or shoot, uh, one of us or all three of us an email or connect with us on LinkedIn. If you do have questions and until next time, this has been another episode of above and beyond.